The following audio is from Emmanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel can be found at our website, myemmanuel.net. No regrets. Wouldn't that be nice, huh? Yeah, that would be nice. Well, the scripture tells us that when it comes to our family, there can be times when we can have no regrets if we're willing to do it God's way. If you take your Bible and open up Psalms chapter 127, we're going to kind of get right into it. Psalms chapter 127 kind of gives us a formula here of how it is that we are supposed to build our home or build our family. Here you see the title is Home Building God's Way. In the bulletin there, you can see those. And, uh, and I think that we can look in scriptures, and uh, well, actually I know we can look in scriptures, and we can find out Bible principles that God puts in her, His Word to help you and I to raise our family to be pleasing and honoring to Him. Psalm chapter 127, it starts out not really telling us two things that we should do, but rather it tells us two things that we should not do as we get into this. Starting in verse 1 of Psalm chapter 127, the Bible says this, Unless the Lord build the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. So here the scripture gives us two things right off the bat, and it really kind of shows us, if you're taking notes there, shows us what the downfall of the family or how the downfall of the family starts, and it starts when we do it without the Lord. Here twice in this first verse, it says, unless the Lord builds and unless the Lord watches. All the labor, all the work, everything is done in vain. Here we find here that many of the times that we try, to, we try to build our house. I'm 48 years old. My wife is younger than me, and uh, I'm trying to be safe here. And God's given us three children. They're all married. I have two grandkids. And there's been many of the times as I have tried to build the house or training or working with my kids where I have miserably failed, miserably And I can almost narrow it down to times when I tried to do it in my own power. I tried to do it on my own. And I can look back, and really those are the times that I look back in my family's life where I have regrets, when I wish I would have done things differently. But all those times when I look back in my life and I see where God has helped me and where I have yielded, my wife and I have yielded to the Lord when it comes to teaching and training our kids, and we see what God did in their life that helps me to know that this is the way it should always be, and I don't have any regrets. And here the scripture says here, unless the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Matthew chapter 7 gives us a, a parable very familiar parable that you and I uh, know about. Maybe we've heard about it. We've learned about it in, in uh, maybe in Sunday school. And the parable is about two men that are building houses. And these houses that they're building in the context of the passage, the Lord was 
teaching some principles and really how it is that we're supposed to treat one another. And he goes into this parable and he says this, He that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man that built a house upon a rock. And when the rains fell and the floods came and the wind blew, the house did not fall. But he that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not is like a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and the house fell. And great was the fall of it. Matthew chapter 7 gives us insight. And really, when we think of the context of that passage, I believe the Lord is talking to us personally. As we grow in our Christian life, you have those that have chosen to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And and they're building that foundation. They're building their house, that relationship that they have with the Lord on that rock and that firm foundation. And there's others that choose to build their life not on the Lord. And we find here, I like to, in my mind's eye, I like to think of this as these two houses are being built simultaneously. They're being built at the same time. And you got maybe the same, maybe the houses kind of look the same. You still have the same amount of labor. You still have the same amount of effort. You still have the same amount of blood, sweat, and tears and, and, uh, and, and money that's put into these houses. And, and this storm comes at the same time. And there's the rain and the flood and the winds and only one house is standing. Why? Because it chose the foundation of the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Now, the only difference I would make is then when we're thinking of Psalm chapter 27, I think as Christians, I can be, my wife and I can be saved, and I could still try to build my family without the Lord being a part of it. And when I do that and I allow myself to do that and try to do it on my own and, and all of the things that go along with that, I should not sit back and wonder what has happened to my family because I've chosen not to let the Lord be a part of it. As we look here, the scripture tells us, he says that we're, supposed to, that we're not supposed to build our house without the Lord. Matthew chapter 7 talks about the foundations that we need, the work that is put involved in it. And if we continue on in verse, at the end of verse 1 where it says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. In verse 2, it is vain for you to rise up early and to go late to rest, eating the bread of, of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. So here, the scripture tells us first and foremost that we shouldn't try to build our house without the Lord. But then it goes on and says, and it tells us there's going to be labor, there's going to be toil. We know that there's going to be work part, there's going to be work in building that family. But then the scripture tells us here that we also need to rest and rely upon the Lord. As we look here in verse, in verse 1, it says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain, saying this, I can do everything that I need to do, everything that um, the books tell me to do in raising a family and all of these things, but if God's not a part of it, it's not going to help us. It's not going to work. Oliver Cromwell, um, before going into battle, tried to encourage his soldiers and the men that were with them, and he told them this. He said, trust in God, my boys, but keep your powder dry. He was saying, it's God that will give us the victory, but there's going to be work involved. The Lord says, 
kind of roughly in the same vein in Proverbs and in chapter 21 and verse 31, he says this, he says, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. Here the Lord is just kind of getting us again. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. You put all the work, you put all the toil into it. Trust in God. The horse is prepared, but safety is of the Lord. We can do everything that we think we know to do, but if we don't allow God to be a part of our family, the scripture says the work that we do is in vain. He tells us here, as we look here, we find this downfall of the family. We can continue on in verse Three, the scripture kind of gives us, as we're talking about the development of the family, in verse three, the scripture says, behold, children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. We find here that the development of the family starts when we realize what it is designed for. Do you understand that God just didn't give you children so you can do whatever you want with them? Wait a minute, these are my children. No, they're not. These are a gift from the Lord, an inheritance from the Lord. We have here at the church, we have baby dedications, and it's a time, a symbolic time, and we can, we can take the children that God's given to us, and we can pray over them, we can pray with them, and, and as we might say, dedicate them to the Lord. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be able to raise these children, and God, I need your help to be able to raise these children to be Christ-honoring, to be people that would live for you and which gives us the responsibility then of training. And he tells them here, he says, these children are inheritance, a heritage or something, uh, an inheritance is something that is given to you. It's not something that you earn or anything like that. And we know from the scriptures that the Bible tells us that there are times when what happens when we ask for our inheritance too early. You remember the parable about the young man that asked his dad, I want my inheritance. Didn't ask him, he told him, I want my inheritance. And he took it. And he spent it on righteous living and wasted it. You know, my dad, um, a couple years ago, was doing some remodeling work on his home. And he lives in Ohio. And I just wanted to give him a call. And I said, hey, dad, what you doing? He says, well, he says, be honest with you, I'm spending your inheritance. (laughs) Thanks, dad. Appreciate that. You know, it's not something that's earned. It's something that's given. And it's given for a purpose. It's given, as we think specifically about our passage here, that children are an heritage of the Lord. They are given for you to develop, for you to point them towards Christ. He gives us a wonderful illustration as we go here. Um, well, let me go back a little bit as we think of what they're given for. And in my mind, I think of really when in my family that really children kind of help parents get on track. I remember I was uh, 23 years old, I think I was, when my son was born, my first child, and I, and I was really kind of an immature 23-year-old. And uh, we were married, but I just, you know, we were just, uh, we were young. But I remember sitting there when the nurse gave my son to me, and I sat there and I, and I held him. Something happened. There was like a light bulb went off that, whoa, I have to be responsible. Now, God gave me three children, so he knew that I needed a lot of growing up to do. And I'm not sure what that means about those that have six and seven kids, but that's, that's up to you guys. But if you only had one, you were doing pretty good. So, 
But God knows what you need. And what happens is, is this gift that God gives to us, then we're supposed to do something with it. We're not, as I said earlier, we're not supposed to just um, raise them however it is that we want. But God gives us a wonderful illustration as we look here in verse 4. The scripture says, like arrows are in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. And he uses this thought of this of an arrow and what it's used for. And I brought one of my, my arrows with me and uh, that I have. I enjoy archery, um, not very good at it, and, um, but I do enjoy it. It wasn't until um, I moved to Montana that I really kind of got, got into it a little bit. And it wasn't, I hadn't been in it very long and um, some friends of mine invited me to go to an outdoor range. And it was one of those where you had different elevations and different um, uh, yardage and and uh, so we went through the course and um, when we pulled into the parking lot there we were the only ones there and we went through the whole course and we were all done and we were up on top of a hill there and we were going to start walking back down to the parking lot and and as we were walking down we saw down below us that in a lower field was one of the targets just kind of sitting out there you know by itself it was a 3D target and and uh, one of the guys said hey I tell you what let's see who can get closest to that target. And I was like, sure, perfect. wasn't the smartest thing that we did. And, uh, but there was nobody there. We did know that, that we were the only ones there. And so the other two guys, they, they uh, knocked their arrow and let it go. And then here I am, and I knocked mine, and I'm kind of just guessing. I have no idea where this thing's going. I told you it wasn't the safest thing, right? Well, I had it out there, and I let that thing go. And I was watching it, I was watching it, and I lost it. I couldn't find it. So I had no idea where it landed, anything like that. I just kind of guessed at it. And you would think, boy, that's kind of irresponsible, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So anyhow, so we all went down, and I was fully expected to find my arrow. I thought I lost it, like, right behind the 3D target, you know. Like, it was so close to the target that uh, I couldn't see it. Well, we got over there, and my friends found theirs out in the field and never could find my arrow. And I was like, wow, I said, well, that's a bummer. I just lost an arrow, and they're not, they're not cheap either. And uh, so we just start walking back to the car, and I got back in the parking lot, and I found my arrow. It was stuck in a railroad tie about a foot away from my truck. (laughs) You know, my problem was I didn't have any direction. I didn't have any, I wasn't really aiming. I was just, "Eh, well, the target's in that direction over there somewhere. You know, a little bit more wind or whatever it might be. I could have had an arrow in my truck. And that would have been bad. I would have thought that was disastrous. What happens in our family is here the scripture says, like arrows are in the hand of a warrior or a mighty man, giving us this indication of how precise and what an arrow can do in the hands of somebody that knows what to do with it. And he uses that illustration for home building for a family to buy this to whereby the scripture says that children are inheritance of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward as arrows are in the hands of a mighty man so the Lord is likening your children and my children to an arrow they need to be directed in a certain area they need to be directed in the right area in the right way. And the scripture tells me here, because God gave the children to me, then my direction should be to point them towards him. That's where they should go. 
to do everything I can to practice, to do everything I can to get it to whereby when I allow my children to go or I let the arrow go, then it goes in the direction and it hits the target that it's supposed to hit. Well, as we think here about arrows or archery, we know that there needs to be direction with that, but we also know that there needs to be discipline. Now, I know discipline isn't one of those fun topics to talk about, but it's something that is true. The scripture tells us that Jesus chastens every son that is his. You ever felt the chastening hand of the Lord upon your life? I know I have, and I'm thankful for it. Well, the scripture says here that discipline is, and really discipline and archery have a lot to do together. You know, um, I have a friend of mine that's very successful in archery, and uh, he tells me, he says, you know, you should shoot your bow hundreds and hundreds of times before you even go out hunting for the first time. And he'll ask me before hunting season starts, he'll say, Jeff, he says, have you been out shooting your bow? And I said, well, no. I said, it was sighted in when I put it away, so it should be sighted in when I get it out. And he just shakes his head, which is probably the reason why I've only killed deer and one railroad tie <laughs> with my arrow. I'm not very successful at it, probably because I don't put the time and the effort and the discipline in it that it takes. You know, we have hobbies that we are a part of, and we will spend hours and hours and hours and hours developing our hobbies, our tools, our um, knowledge, all of those things, but we won't spend any time with our children. And here the scripture says, like arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of one's youth. Well, how is it that I'm supposed to discipline my children? You know, the Bible's clear and it gives us many verses about how it is that we are supposed to discipline our children. And I would like to, if you want to write some down, I'll give it to you for sake of time and for the simple fact that I don't want to be the bad guy when I'm reading these verses about discipline. But if you want to write these down, you can. You can find them all in the book of Proverbs. And uh, real quick, let me give them to you here. Proverbs in chapter 13 and verse 24 is one. We see in chapter 22 and verse 15, chapter 23 and verse 13 and 14, and chapter 29 and verse 15. Now, let me warn you, when you read those verses, you might say, oh boy, pastor, I, I don't like those. Well, then you need to talk to the Lord about it. Because these are his recipes for building a godly home. And what happens is this, is that if I'm willing to take the principles that God has given in his word and point my children in the right direction and take the discipline that it needs, the time and the effort and the patience. You know, the scripture tells us to train up a child in the way he should go. And that word train is speaking specifically about a, a, a repetitive, a patient repetitive discipline. And that's the same way with this. I am foolish to just put my bow away and then get it out the next year and expect that everything is going to be fine. But rather, I should get it out and I should practice and I should shoot and I should work on technique and I should do all of these things. And we do that, but it's the same type of thing that we need to do with our families. 
It's one of those things as we discipline our children, as we, as we work in their life and as we develop them and we train them and we point them towards the Lord. And what happens is this, it's something that doesn't just happen one time, but it's something you have to keep on and keep on and keep on all the time. Why? You're instilling discipline. You're instilling things in their life. And what happens is if we don't do that, then we probably pretty much have a society like we have right now. If you look at all the things that's going on in our nation, not just in our nation, but around the world, and not just this year, but even years past, I firmly believe that we are reaping a generation of parents that have chosen to keep the Lord out of their home building. And because of that, we see. And we can find, and we know, we can see it. You can be like, oh, yeah, I can see it. It's bright as day. I can see it. And I don't want that for my life. Um, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, when sons and daughters are arrows, it is well to have, excuse me, when sons and daughters are arrows, it is well to have a quiver full of them. But if they're only sticks, naughty and useless, the fewer of them, the better. And that's so true, is it not? What happens is this, as we step aside from the training part of our family, we take the Lord out of it, we choose not to discipline, and we, have not, we don't have arrows. We don't have nice straight arrows that will go to their mark and, and accomplish what it is they were sent for, but rather we will just have sticks that are bent, broken, cracked, and it's not necessarily the kids, though there is a part of it that's their fault, but it's us as parents. Because we've chosen not to put the time into our families. And we've chosen to leave the Lord out of it. As we think of this direction and the discipline of our children, then we see that the, when we do these things and we follow God's will, then we find here that we have this development then of the children. And one of the things that I think we need to be careful about, one thing that we always need to do, and one of the things that will help you the most in your children as you develop them, is to encourage them to serve the Lord. You should encourage them. I remember as a young man, I was in college and out of high school, I was probably 18, and um, my dad uh, worked a job very successful with where he was at and um, did real well for himself. And he had called me one day at college and he said, he said, Jeff, he said, I want you to pray with me about something. I said, okay. And he said, I'm thinking about going into the ministry. I feel the Lord's calling us into the ministry. And, and I said, well, dad, that's wonderful. And I said all this great stuff. And then I realized, wait a minute, he's the one paying for college. And, uh, I had to rethink some things, but no, I was, I was thrilled for him, and I was excited for him, and, uh, and he did end up going into the ministry. When he went into the ministry, and again, the Lord had blessed him, but they had built a house, and, and, um, and dad really didn't lack for much of anything, neither did our family, and God had, had, had provided for us, but when he went into the ministry, he took a huge pay cut, sold his house, moved into a smaller house, but he never regretted it once, never once did I hear my mother regret the fact that they were following the Lord in the ministry. And what it did for me was I sat there and I saw my dad take a step of faith and I saw God take care of them. And what that did for me by them doing that, 
and showing me that, it encouraged me to the point to whereby I knew that mom and dad can serve the Lord and that God will take care of them. I knew that God would take care of me too. So when it came to the point to when God called me into the ministry, I was doing really well at the job that I was at, went to go work for a church, a smaller church, and I never skipped a beat. Why? Because I saw what God did in my family's life and my dad's life. What did they do? They encouraged me and my children and my brothers and my sisters to serve the Lord. It was later on after I was at college for a couple of years, and then I, I came home, and, and uh, I was 20-some years old at this time and didn't have a clue, really didn't at all, and, and uh, didn't realize that my parents were struggling. I was a terrible person. I was living at home, and I wasn't paying rent. That's for all those parents that have kids at home, just... I wasn't paying rent. I was working, but I was out with my friends and spending my money. I had no idea that mom and dad's finances were tight and no idea that really the food was even kind of getting kind of shallow in the cupboard there. We did come home from church. Of course, I drove separate, so we both kind of drove in into the house there. And on the porch, there was some bags of groceries there. I didn't think anything about it. Mom and dad picked up the groceries. We went inside and mom made a meal and we sat down to eat. And before we started, mom and dad said, hey, we got to tell you guys about what God did for us. And they went through and they started telling us how it had been a couple weeks and they knew that the money was getting tight and, and uh, the food was getting, it was getting low. And, and, but they had been praying and asking God to do something. And what they did was this, that when God came through and God delivered, they made sure that they sat their 20-year-old down, plus my other brother that was 10 at that time, and I had a sister there, they sat us down and they took time to tell us what it was that God had done for them. What were they doing? They were encouraging us to follow the Lord. In Psalm chapter 78, let me tell you, let me show you three things that God has put in, in Psalm chapter 78, three things that you and I should never hide from our children. In Psalm chapter 78, I want to start reading in verse 1. The scripture says this, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth. In a parable, I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the gener coming generation. And here's the things here. Number one, we will tell them of the glorious deeds of the Lord. Number two, we will tell him of his might. Number three, uh, we will tell him of the wonders of the things that he has done. I look at that passage of scripture and I sit here and I think, what is it that God's wanting you and I as parents to do when it comes to our, our kids and the training and the developing specifically of them is this, is that when God does something in your life and God answers a request, answers a prayer, don't say, oh, well, thank you, Lord, that was great. Take the time, sit your kids down and tell them about what God has done in your life. Let them see it. Let them, let them know that God is real. Let them know the praises of God. I can remember back when the Lord, when, again, when my parents sat us down and they talked about this and they were crying about what God has done in their life and, and they wanted us to know that God takes care of us and that God is in control of us. Someone once said it this way, that the best education is an education in the best things. You know, I went to 12 years of school, six years of college, only four of them counted, I had a lot of education, a lot of things went in one ear and out the other, but do you know the things that I remember as a, from my childhood? The times 
when I saw my mom and dad take steps of faith. The times when they told us about how God had answered prayer. They told us about different times when they were struggling and asked us to pray about things. What were they doing? They were involving us in their life, developing us to the point to whereby now that I am an older man with kids and grandkids of my own, I know beyond a shadow of doubt that God will take care of me and my family. And not only that, but now I have the opportunity to tell my kids and to show them and my grandkids. These are the things that God wants us to do. These are the devo- And I am not a perfect parent by no means. If you had five minutes to sit down with each of my children, you would find out very quickly that I was not a perfect parent. But I do know this, that when we follow God's principles, we follow God's design, that we can give direction and discipline and development to our family and to our kids so they can accomplish not my will, but they can accomplish what God wants for them. As we continue on here, we see that we have the downfall of the family. Then we see the development of the family. And lastly, as we follow God's plan, if we follow his desires, if we follow his will in developing our family and building our home God's way, the scripture finishes up with this in verse 5. It says, Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame, but will speak with his enemies in the gates. Another version says, Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. You and I can delight in our families and delight in our children. You know the greatest delight that I have in my family? Oh, my, my children, they were, all, they were all athletic. They played sports. They did real well in school. Some of them did real well in school. And, um, but as we are, <clears throat> I hope he doesn't watch watching this, but anyhow, as we are developing, you know what gives me the greatest joy? is when I sit back and I see my kids now that they're married and they have their own kids, I can sit back and I can watch them taking steps of faith for the Lord. And I can rejoice in that. I can rejoice because I can know, okay, boy, I failed a lot of times, but God, you're faithful. And they're going to fail a lot of times, but you're faithful in their life. And Lord, I can see how you're working. I can see them taking steps of faith. And I can rejoice in that and I can be happy in that. Why? Because I see God working in my family. And the scripture says that we can rejoice in our children and our children can rejoice in us. Proverbs chapter 23 and in verse 24 and 25, the scripture says this, The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. I want my family, I want my parents, even now that I have my own family and I'm grown, I still want them to be able to rejoice in their children. And I love rejoicing in my parents, seeing even now what God does in their life and how God works in their life. I rejoice in that. The scripture says here that we will not be ashamed Uh, The scripture says here, as we see at the end here in verse 5, where it says, They shall not be put to shame, but but he speaks with his enemies in the gates, that your children will speak for you. Not only will they speak for you, but 
when you are speaking to the enemies, as you have grown your children, as, as you have developed your children, they can look at that and they, they can't look at you and say, oh, well, look at your kids. We have developed, we have followed God's plan. And when we do that, the scripture says, we can delight in them. Our children will speak for us. Well, what is it? Where are you at, rather, in your family? Have you come to the point, maybe you don't even have any kids yet, or maybe you have young people or teenagers or maybe you're college or they're married and on and grown on. Wherever it is that you find yourselves at, the principles stay the same. They stay the same. Let's direct our kids. Let's develop them. And then, Lord willing, you and I, can delight in them. I can have every head bowed and every eyes closed. Again, I'm not sure where what the Lord's speaking to you about or what the Lord has, um, what he's doing in your life right now. Maybe you are struggling as a family and maybe you've got young people and you don't, you don't really know how to, how to do this, how to discipline. The first thing you can do is you can ask the Lord to help you. Don't try to do it on your own. The Bible tells us here time and time again, twice in this one verse, that unless the Lord does it, all of our labor is in vain. Allow the Lord to work in your family. Open those doors up and allow Jesus to come in. Take time. Read your Bibles. Find out what it is that God, what his principles are when it comes to building your family. Allow the Lord to have first place in your family. I don't know where... You might be adding this, but I do know this, that God has a plan for your family. He's given you those children for a specific reason. And it's not for you to accomplish your will in their life. It's for you to direct them. It's for you to develop them. God's way. So that you and the Lord can rejoice in them. And then if you train them, and if you teach them, and if God helps, if you allow the Lord to help, then as you rejoice, one day you can sit back and you can watch your kids taking steps of faith for the Lord and doing something for Him and following Him, whatever it might be, and you can rejoice. Whatever it is that the Lord's asking you to do, let's do business with the Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I thank you so many times it is so plain and so simple, Lord, we just have to, to follow it. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help each and every one that's here under the sound of my voice, those that are watching online. Lord, that you would help us to take the steps that are necessary. Help us to dive into your word. Help us to put forth the effort and the labor and all of those things and allowing you to be first place in our family. Lord, so that we could be a family that is pleasing and honoring to you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we dismiss, I want us to think of this. You know, of all the institutions that God created, he created the family first. Kind of like the foundation, you know. 
And on that, everything else stands. I kind of think about that. You know, if, our, if we have strong families, our churches will be strong. You know, if, our, if we have strong, godly families, then our society will be strong and godly. Well, what happens is this, is that when we take the arrows that God's given to us, and whether we just launch them out anywhere, not knowing where they're going, or we set them in a corner and don't give them any time or effort or anything like that, but rather if we take them and make sure the broadheads are tightened, make sure my fletches are where they need to be, if there needs to be any repair, make sure the knock's in the right place. So everything's ready for when I'm ready to launch it out at the target. And Lord willing, it will hit exactly what it is that I'm aiming for. God desires to do the same with your kids. You put the time and the effort and the discipline and the development and all of those things to whereby when they go out on their own or even before then as you see them launch out, then they will hit exactly where you're aiming and more importantly, where God's aiming. And the amazing thing about an arrow is this, that when I go hunting, I use an arrow because it can reach a little bit farther than I can. And your kids and my kids, when we launch them out, they will reach things that you and I can't. I can't reach out and touch it. But if I direct my kids right and launch them out, they will hit a target that I couldn't even think of hitting. And they can be used by God for the furtherance of the gospel and for his glory. May the Lord help us. Thank you for listening to audio from Emmanuel Baptist Church, located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Emmanuel, please visit us online at myemmanuel.net.